Simon Eady Hearns acknowledged. What? He's been dropped. Oh, no, don't be dropped. Okay, how many times? If everybody leave the room and me you're staying here now, I would walk up. And you won't. That's why I see you're a talker. They can never lose the WBC title no matter what way fights they go to. Huh? Michelle Woman Chenko. Can never lose. Unless they lose it. Nah, that's that's no bad. They can win. They can't lose. If they win the fight, they can become undisputed, but they can never lose it. That's favoritism. Oh no no no, we gotta talk the out. Top Rank got some shit going on. Matter of fact, boxing on some bullshit. They call me the problem, but you could call me the can man, cause anybody can get Africans, Americans, Dominicans, Mexicans, anybody can. It's always a sad way to start an episode by talking about the death of, of a boxer. But what normally makes it manageable is there's that distance between you, whether it's you know the passing of a Muhammad Ali, for example. You know, before our time, didn't really know him. Or you know even in the case of Scott Westgarth, God rest his soul, not someone I knew personally. So I could speak about it. You, know, you could put Mike Tal in that category as well. So I could speak about it with a degree of objectivity but when we talk about the unfortunate passing of Sebastian Eubank it's a little bit hard because a lot of people listening to this would have known Sebastian personally I knew Seb personally through the amazing sport that we have which is called amateur boxing and when you see the outpouring of emotion that goes towards Sebastian Eubank, a man who I think only had three professional fights. It reflects a guy who, despite his name and despite what the public may think about that name, he did everything the right way. He had an amateur career. And through that amateur career, he got to meet people. So he's of his generation. And that's why you're seeing the, the generation of guys who started this game in about 2010 or feeling the pain, your Hara Davises and so forth, because Seb was one of us. He was the guy we saw at shows. He was the guy we spoke to. Was he the loudest person in the in the changing rooms? No, but he's always a great talker. He's always a great thinker. A genuinely nice guy. The most important thing I can say about Sebastian is he could fight. He could really fight, and he could box. And I know for people who sort of link him to Chris and don't really know who and what Seb was as a boxer. I can provide the knowledge I have and I could just say he he must have boxed about, I don't know, between 30 and 40 times. He had a solid amateur career. And if you want to pitch him at a level and say, who who's he a contemporary of in terms of what he achieved in his ability? You put him in the same bracket, I think you put Dan Aziz, Andre Sterling, Craig Richards, um, obviously Dean Lang. I mean, who else was 81 around that time? Ashley Vanzi can go into that box. Maybe you could have given Lyndon Arthur trouble. Um, just probably a little step behind guys like Lyndon Arthur and Joshua Boatsy, who then went on to to be the GB intake for, for 2016. But that's great company for him to be keeping. I think we can all agree on that. And, and it's, it's crazy to think that all those guys are still going and they're having their careers and they're living their lives now and we've now lost Seb Eubank. And it's like, that's so unfair and it's tragic because he was 29. 
like he was he was just getting into his prime physical years and we'll never know where he could have gone could he have stayed in boxing could he have gone into MMA could he have you know become you know Joe Wicks on another level we don't know now and it's tragic I remember seeing him and so my experience really watching him fight up close was he fought Dean Lang twice he lost to Dean Lang twice I thought one of them was controversial and it was that classic, you know, sometimes southpaws don't like boxing each other. And Seb was dynamic. He could move. He could slip. He, I mean, he, he was pretty complete as a boxer. I think the only difference between them was Dean Lang just had a... He had, he had the work rate and the engine. But Seb always thought if he faced Dean Lang in the pros, he'd, he'd stop him. And there's an argument for that because Dean hasn't gone on to hit the heights that many thought he would. And so... You look at that and you say, here's a guy who had 30-odd amateur bouts, did really well, um, boxed in tournaments, won tournaments, was on the GB radar for a bit because that would have been a fantastic name to have. It just so happens you know, you're in the same company as Lyndon Arthur and Joshua Guazzi, who were just a different breed back then. And if you think about it, Lyndon's probably the same age as, as Seb. So they'll know each other. And I imagine they'll feel it because I feel it. And, at the time, we had a young guy called Ola, and we were looking at Seb going, you know what, that's a fight we're going to have to have if we want to win the ABAs. So there's always that kind of jokey thing between Seb, his dad, me, and Ola, just like, you know what, we'll see each other one day, and, you know, may the best man win and all of that. And it was awesome because you got to see the Eubank family at these tournaments. So I remember the Harringay, Chris came, senior and junior, in fact, uh, Emily might have been there actually but the whole family would be sat together as a family watching Sebastian box you couldn't disrupt them you couldn't interrupt them at that point they'd do photos and autographs up until that point and then they'd sit down and watch and it's another reminder of you know how egalitarian boxing is at the amateur level because there was no superstar status Chris had to find a seat even if it wasn't the seat he was happiest with he had to do that there was one point where Chris almost had to go and grab a seat early because he knew that, you know, in the final when his son fought Dean, that it was going to be packed. And just seeing him have to go, quick, quick, we need to get seats now. There are all these small memories of what you remember of him. But even more than that, like I've sort of followed him, like we followed each other on Instagram for a bit. And we'd message each other and just, you know, how things going in Dubai and so forth. And it was only sort of after the amateur thing had happened that I realized he's, he's an incredibly deep thinker. He doesn't talk a lot. He's not loud, he's not brash, he's not in your face. But he's always thinking. He was always so... He was always so perceptive. And, and you can see that his, his family paid for good education for him because he knows a lot and he understands a lot. And he was always very level-headed about being a Eubank and what it meant for him and what it meant for his opp opportunities. And one of the things he'd always say, and this has stuck with me, I need to use being a Eubank in boxing as a platform for a higher purpose. He was always thinking about a higher purpose, you know, spirituality, how do you help humanity, and all those sorts of things. He, he, was, just a, he was just a damn good human being, man. He was, he was a guy you could sit down with and have good conversations with. And he just, he was a great kid, and it's crazy to think that we're not going to see him, we're not going to hear from him again, and Boxing's really lost someone who could have done something, maybe not necessarily in the ring, but could have given something back to the sport. And it could have been someone in public life that we grew to love. 
en masse as a not just as a boxing community but as a wider community of human beings and it must be a rough time for the Eubank family because you know despite what we may think from the outside looking in they're a close family and this loss will hit them hard and will hit Chris Senior incredibly hard because you know he sees himself as as a true patriarch of the family and I can't imagine what he's thinking I know they released a statement yesterday that was heartfelt and you know I definitely felt that but even deeper than that fathers are not supposed to bury their sons so my thoughts were you know the whole Eubank family everyone involved in this because it's not just the immediate family that the uncles like Vincent and so forth there's everyone involved who's you know who have to face this now and go we've lost one of our own and boxing's definitely lost one of its own as you can see from the outpourings of grief and all I can say is my thoughts and prayers are with the Eubank family and wherever Seb is up there looking down on us man boxing will still continue to frustrate but also make you proud and give you great memories so Thank you for everything and may you rest in peace, Sebastian Eubank. I don't know where you go next after that, to be honest with you. I'm a bit like, do I stop now? But we'll probably just talk about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. And the fact that the July 24th fight seems to be off now. And I, I don't know what to say apart from Porky Russ told you. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people say that they can't get to Russ and they can't really digest his content and so forth. He's the only one who's telling you what it is. And the reason he's doing that is he's hearing it. Yeah. So if you don't subscribe to Porky's Corner on YouTube, you should. You don't have to watch everything, but there are certain things you should watch because he will be giving you the inside view from within boxing about what's happening. So I can give my take on it. It always felt like a fight Fury didn't want. And I don't know why and I don't know how, but everything I see about Fury looks like a, a person that doesn't want to be in the position he's in. Now, I don't know what it was. It, it feels to me as if we've got Tyson Fury, who's like, I just want to fight Joshua, beat him and leave the sport and go and do something else. That's where I think Fury is right now. He's almost saying to himself, I've got one fight left in me. Like, this is too much. I can't keep being this guy forever. And he's saying to himself, I've got one fight left. I want it to be Joshua because then I have all the belts and I can go out on top. Instead, he's meant to face Deontay Wilder before the end of September for the WBC belt, which is a higher risk fight than the Joshua fight. I think Fury has a better handle on how he'd beat Joshua than how he'd beat Wilder. And you know what happens over time. You know, Wilder makes these adjustments. He gets Malik Scott in. He starts to put out the videos, the propaganda to say, oh, I'm not the guy you fought last time. And he knows that preys on Fury's mind. He knows that. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to now prey on Fury's mind. It's almost like the, the hunters turned hunted. And you can imagine Fury's going, you know, I can't keep doing this grind. And I've heard rumors, and I don't really want to ascribe a name to this, but I've heard rumors that Fury's been on medication to keep him level enough to to get through these fights in these camps. Is it a question that actually nothing's working and Tyson's like, look, I just want to fight Joshua and then I'm done. This Wilder fight, it isn't for me. Yep. On the other hand, he may actually have COVID, but then I'd ask myself, what sort of protocols have they had in camp? 
Like, that's absolutely insane that two weeks before a fight is cancelled because of COVID, that shouldn't be happening. On a fight of this magnitude, for all the money involved in this, no one thought to spend a couple of hundred grand to have like a, a secure bubble for these guys to train in. Strikes is being sloppy. Bob Arum's not sloppy. Al Hamer's not sloppy. So someone has to ask the question, what the hell's happened here? Now there are rumours that Fury's just coming straight back to the UK. But you can't come straight back to the UK with COVID. Like, uh, if you think about that for a second, you can't come back to the UK with COVID. Like, you're just going to go and see your, your wife and kids. You're going to have to do the quarantine, 10 days in the hotel. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm a sportsman, can I come back? No, you've got COVID. You've said you've got COVID. So it'll be interesting. If Fury doesn't do the quarantine in the hotel, then he doesn't have COVID. And if he doesn't have COVID, why isn't the fight happening? I suspect it's not happening because Fury doesn't want to fight Wilder again. He just doesn't want to. And he's probably been told by someone, you know, you know those sort of um, armchair lawyers. He said, well, if you get to the end of September, the fight hasn't happened, you don't have to fight him. Not true. You will have to fight him. Or you won't be able to fight in Vegas. Or you... you Wilder's not going anywhere for Tyson Fury. He's not going anywhere. There are only two options you have with Wilder right now. You fight him or you pay him. Yeah? And it doesn't look like he wants pain because he thinks he's got Fury on the ropes. And I say congratulations. He's learned his lessons. But it points to that wider thing where we have to now salute Anthony Joshua, right? Because it's been five years since the sorry saga started. And Joshua seems to be the one guy that's remained level-headed through all of this. I'm not saying he's been perfect, but he's remained level-headed. And he's been the guy who's just said, Do you know what, guys? I'll fight either one of you two. Let's make the deal happen, wherever, however. I mean, make it happen. But my worry here with Fury is, it's catching up with him. Because he's been on this roller coaster for three years since his comeback, right? And he went from the comeback to the Wilder fight to everything in between to the second Wilder fight to the lockdown to now a third Wilder fight. How long can you be in that zone for? Before, before you revert back to who you naturally are. And that's what we're talking about here. How long till you revert to who you naturally are, which is a guy who walks around in about 24 stone, likes a couple of drinks, having a laugh and a joke and spending time with his family. And Fury's letting you know that I don't know how many more times I can do this. It's just not me anymore. And it's not great to watch. I'm not happy. I don't rejoice in it. I feel for him. But I, I also know that it's the most unusual thing I've seen. Like, if nothing else, if you really wanted the fight to happen, you'd keep it suppressed. You'd be like, no, 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 no. You know, give it a couple of days. We'll have another test. We'll see what happens. Doesn't seem to be that way. Seems they just wanted to get the F out of Dodge. So while all of this is happening, predictably, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, DeZone stuck their nose in. You know, there's never an opportunity he won't exploit. And it was like, right, you know, if the fight can't happen on July 24th, Dillian will step in. And you're like, well, no. What, what, what does that actually mean? Like, Dillian can't just step in and assume Tyson Fury's contractual rights because he hasn't earned those. He wasn't the WBC champion. So why would you do that? 
and then they were talking about yeah the WBC should just make Dillian champion and then and I just thought Jesus this is, it's shameless and you can see why Hearn's not making any roads in the US because he doesn't get it he doesn't get it like they're not going to give Dillian the fight that's why it was made clear by the WBC uh, Mauricio Suleiman that Dillian White is not the mandatory for the champion so, what do you do at this point if you're Dillian? Whoever's advising Dillian's doing him wrong. Because he could have stepped away from the WBC two years ago. And he'd be mandatory via the IBF or via the WBO. And he would have been fine. He'd have had his title shot. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't... I've never understood this. Like, Wilder would have been there for him at any point in his career had he chosen. He could have just easily had that fight. I don't know if they want the payday. But the payday doesn't strike me as being that lucrative. If they were to give him the fight. Why wouldn't you just go for the Joshua fight? Never calls Joshua out. Never makes noise about Joshua. And I'm, I pray that Dillian's not being controlled by other people. And being used as a pawn in a game to, to mess up the Fury Wilder situation. Just let Dillian fight for a world title. Let him fight Joshua. Still no word on the on the Usyk fight. They tell us there are three or four things to arrange. I don't think there are. I can't see what there is to arrange. You know, Usyk's mandatory. Joshua calls the shots about where, when and how the fight happens. The WBO have very clear rules on how you split the purse. So what is there to negotiate exactly? What, the insertion of a rematch clause? For what? If you believe in your guy, what do you need a rematch clause for? And so, I look at all of this, and the cynic in me is saying, are we going to get to a point where everyone gets around the table and says, let's just get Fury and Joshua done, right? Dillian, just chill for a bit. Deontay, here's 10 million to just sit down. Usyk, here's 10 million to just sit down, right? That has to be what the play is right now, and just get this Fury-Joshua thing done, and then everyone moves on. I don't see why I don't see why that's not the discussion. Like get everybody around the table. Get Al there, get Bob there, Eddie's there. Um, I think you need, you know, MTK involved, so you need Daniel Kinahan in there. Get everyone you need around the table and say, here's the pot for Fury Joshua. Whether it's two hundred and fifty million total or three hundred million total, and then everyone gets told what they're getting. And we just leave this fight to happen. Because it's just, it's the fight that's basically just sabotaged the heavyweight division at the moment. So no one can really bubble up. No one can really get paid off and move out. Nothing. Everyone's just hanging in there waiting for a pay-per-view payday now. And it's not good for boxing. It's not. So on a business level, I think this is an absolute mess. And on a human level, I hope Tyson Fury's okay. I really, really do. Because he's been on a... A hell of a journey over these three years, man. There's, there's got to be a roller coaster of having to, to be someone you're really not for the sake of doing stuff you don't even want to do. But you have to because other people need you to do that and you've committed to doing it. I don't imagine he's too happy about that. So I'm trying to say there's probably not much else happening in boxing. So we've touched on everything of value. Just, I guess, from my world, a few updates. 
you know, I've spoken to Umar Sadiq. It looks like we have a path forward with the board in terms of getting him his license back so that he can, you know, have that career freedom to go whichever way he wants. I know a lot of people aren't really getting to see where he's at and what he's doing, but I know he's out in LA. He's working with people with everyone. He's worked with Bivol. He's worked with Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez, who had a great fight yesterday against Sullivan Barrera, just monstered him with body shots. By the way, none of which dropped Uma. So, you know, Sullivan Barrera is definitely 39 years old. And that's what happens when you try and do a fight clean. You look 39 years old. So now he's, he's definitely doing his thing. I'd like to see him in the UK and I'd like to see him jump in with guys like Jermaine Brown. You know, let's have some good UK dust-ups, but he may have other plans. Um, you know, he's, he's liking the look of America. Who knows? But he's, he's happy with life. He sounds in good spirits. So like I keep saying to people, keep engaging with him. You know, Instagram, Twitter, the usual. You know, he'll be back and he'll be a better boxer for it. I know some of the stuff he's working on. And that's stuff that you don't normally get in UK gyms. So he should have some additional strings to his bow, which is good. Uh, Denzel Bentley, when are they going to let him out? Right. He had the fight against Felix Cash. And all he wants to do right now is atone for that. So he's, he's made a few changes. You know, he's, he's embraced some of the ideas we discussed in the podcast. Not to say that that's because of me. I don't think it is. But he's embraced a lot of those ideas. I know he's, he's understanding his craft a bit more. He's a more active participant in his career. And, you know, we've had, we had some positive conversations. And I think, I think his future is brighter than it was a year ago. But the important thing is just to make sure that, you know, he understands he drives his own career. But fantastic young man. Hopefully they get him out in August and we can start that road back because, you know, he's, he's got freakish power. And once he, once he works out how to put those pieces together, Oh, geez, God help us. And Dan Aziz as well. Like, a lot of people on Twitter are very quiet about this issue, but we need to get a conversation going with MTK, Leeds, and especially, you let these guys just tell you stuff, right? And you like it, you retweet the stuff. Fair enough. But ask Lee in this very simple question. If MTK are looking after Daniel Aziz, when is Daniel Aziz fighting for the British title? Why does he have to always wait? Why is he always the bridesmaid? Remember, this guy hasn't lost. You know, why? Jose Burton's a guy who fights, what, every 18 months? Dan's there, day in, day out. Yeah, you want me to fight? Cool, I'll jump in. So, you know, we all say we're boxing fans and we want what's right for the sport, yet I don't see people saying what's happening with Dan Aziz. And Dan Aziz is giving you guys what you want, right? I think that's important. Right, we need to start holding these guys accountable. When does Dan Aziz get his British title shot? I'd like to see Craig just do a voluntary with Dan and go, right, actually, do you know what? This is a good fight. This is a South London fight. We don't live that far from each other. You know, this is something, you know, that we need to be doing. Now, I don't know if they're holding that British belt on Craig's waist for, for Joshua Boatsy after Bolotnik's fight. Be a good fight, though, because... I don't think Craig's going to back down from that. And I don't think you can just blast Craig out of there because, like we say, never seen Craig drop, never seen Craig hurt. So I don't know if Joshua Bartzi wants that fight because you're going to have to do 12 rounds and it's going to be painful. But no, I think Dan, you know, Dan's also, much like Denzel, I think Dan's now realizing if he doesn't take control of his career, nobody will. 
you know. And with a lot of these boxes, what they don't realize, and I, I try to explain this to them, you have hundreds if not thousands of fans on social media. You have people who genuinely care about you in the context of boxing. And not once have you ever done an audit of your fans to go, actually, what do these guys do? And can that help me move forward, in or out the ring? And boxers don't do this. You know, you've got, you've got that, that captive audience that you don't leverage and make a success of. And I've said this to Dan, I've said it to Denzel, you know, I've even said it to Umar at times, you have to leverage your fan base. You already give them something they value. They will be willing to give you something back if you package it right. And I think that's kind of where a lot of these guys are. But I really want to see Dan get his chance and get his shine. He deserves it now. He's, he's done it the hard way. And these are the people we should be banging the drum for. People who've done it the hard way, the proper way. Like, you know, Porky should be banging the drum for where's Dan Aziz on this one. Because he's done it all the way he's supposed to do it. And then finally, Isaac, man. I'm, I'm hoping to see Isaac in, in August. Now, I don't know what the details behind that will be, but it'll be good to see Isaac in August with crowds back, anchoring Channel 5, where he belongs. I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I mean that in an uplifting way. Let, let two and a half, three million people watch Isaac Chamberlain. Watch, let, let him become the, the franchise on Channel 5. And then hopefully he grows and he gets those really good fights. I like the Jack Massey fight for him in the next couple. Maybe not the first one, but I like it in the next couple. Him against Jack Massey. Maybe a rematch with the Luke Watkins. And then start, you know, going after some of these guys. Like we talked about the Americans now. They're getting their cruiserweight game in order. So do you get Isaac out there? Why not? Because a lot of these cruiserweights are now moving up to heavyweight. So opportunities are there if he wants them. But happy for him. He seems in a good place, as always. You know, Isaac, you know, permanently dedicated, permanently focused. And one of the guys who invested in educating himself about the sport. And so... I think, you know, that's a quick roundup of four of the guys, you know, I'm relatively close to. And it, I mean, it's good and I'm glad for them. And I think, you know, let's get behind them. Let's support them. And let's make sure that the powers that be realize that these guys are talented and they've got people behind them that will ask the, the tough searching questions. But I think I've given up enough of my Saturday for now, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign out and go and do some exercise myself, man. I'm looking down on my belly and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> is this what I've become? <laughs> Guys, have a fantastic weekend. Um, I feel it's mandatory that I should say it's coming home, but you might be listening to this on Monday and it would have either come home or not. But uh, enjoy this. Um, I might do one tomorrow if I've got the energy. There's one I want to do, but we'll see. And listen, have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy whatever weather we have. It doesn't look that sunny out there, so God help us. Take care, guys. Bye.